Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. If you're like me, you already went out and got Matt Breida on the waiver wire. And if you can, get him and Alfred Morris. Uh, the news of Jarek McKinnon is a big one for the 49ers offense, and somebody's going to step up. We'll talk about that and many, many more league news and notes. We're going to talk about our bold predictions today as well. And I'm here with my good friend Haas, who uh, has not – it's been a while, buddy. Uh, how you been? Good to talk to you again. You know what? It has been a while. Um, I'm glad to be on. I always love to do it. Uh, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now, you know. A couple nights away, and uh, we'll be in week one. I'm yeah. excited. It is Thursday night. It's right around the corner. Um, it's going to be a good one too. Falcons Eagles. That should be a great game. Uh, a lot of fantasy implications there. We already know that the Eagles have named Nick Foles as their starting quarterback. We will talk about that Jarek McKinnon news, and like I said, many more news and notes from around the league. Cuts just happened, so that's something we need to talk about. We'll talk about Le'Veon Bell, and uh, but first, Haas, why don't you? give a little bit we've done a lot of drafts we were just talking off the air of how many drafts you have been going through and I wanted to get your take on a couple of your drafts that that you just you know were in just tell our listeners um, maybe some of your favorite picks guys that you've been getting a lot of shares of what went right for you what you really liked about your teams and uh, I don't know the floor is yours man I'll give it give you the floor here for a few minutes yeah, because, you know, the first couple times we talked, uh, you'd already done a couple drafts, you know, and uh, I, I was just getting started um, looking at my rankings, getting things like that. But uh, it's good to have a couple drafts underneath my belt. And uh, yeah, guys that uh, I'm in three different leagues and uh, I took uh, a couple guys in multiple leagues. Uh, Stefan Diggs is one I targeted early and we kind of had that conversation with Thielen and Diggs, you know, who's going to really stand out there. I like Diggs a lot. I like his upside. Love um uh kirk in that offense i think it's going to be a well-oiled machine and then uh josh gordon a little bit later and uh i got my hands on Dion lewis in a quite a few leagues i like the value pass catcher especially in ppr leagues and uh trey burton the guy you've mentioned i've just fallen in love with he's a tight end in my league in, in, in two separate leagues those are guys i targeted a lot yeah those are all good ones i wanted to ask you where have you uh, generally been drafting digs second third round second and uh, i took him one in the second because i picked early i was at the front end right at three and then uh in the back end of the leagues i took him early in the or no late in the third or no i'm sorry i got that backwards late in the third up early um and then early in the second uh or late in the second there it is uh just depending on where i am you know yeah. in that range are you drafting mostly like 12 team leagues yeah i'm in two 12s and then one 10 Okay. So, the, and I'm more used to 12 man leagues. Uh, so when you get a look at a 10 man league, it's like, man, your team looks stacked. Yeah. But so does the other nine <laughs> teams that you're with. It just looks, it, it kind of just boggles with your brain there a little bit. Yeah. You get to round 10 and you're, you look at your roster and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to win this league. And then you scroll to other teams rosters and you're like, oh wow. All right. Everybody else is probably feeling the same way. And it's funny when the draft's over, there's still starters out there. You know, yeah. there's guys you're picking and you're thinking they should be rostered and they go undrafted. It's just it's it's a different world. It's crazy. Uh, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley. Like those are a couple guys that come to mind who uh, like in a 10 team league, like you mentioned, or st- seem to still be there. 
sometimes at the very end where in a 14 team league or a 12 team league where it's a little deeper, you know, it's a deeper bench. Like those guys are absolutely getting rostered. Um, so you like Diggs more than Thielen. Is that right? That's right. I like them both a lot. And I think when I was on earlier, uh, we kind of, I think it was me, you and Pat, we kind of tried to pick one of the two and I went with Diggs. I, I, I continue. I'm on the Diggs side, but I think they both are going to be pretty steady um, for your fantasy squads. I do. Yeah, I I agree. I think that uh, it'll be nice if Diggs can play full 16 game season, which he hasn't to to this point. But I think if he does, uh, that target share is going to shrink more between those two players. I would agree with you there. I'm, I'm more on the Diggs train in terms of uh, uh, Dion Lewis. Which what round are you getting in him in? Fifth, sixth, seventh? Like where where are you able to right draft in that, him? At? Right in that fifth fifth round in one league, which is actually the sixth because it's a keeper. You know, you got you got a pretty much a whole round of keepers in there, so you kinda gotta back it up. So I'd say right in the sixth round. Okay. And I, I've actually um I've had guys, you know, on our cheat sheets that are a little bit higher. Um for instance, guys like like uh like Derrick Henry, guys that ha- have jobs. Oh, that's his job, you know, when they're on the same team. Um but in PPR leagues I, I always, you know, rank the, the the pass catchers and there, there's you know the Theo Riddicks the Chris Thompsons of the world I rank those guys a little bit higher you got to go get them in my opinion and yep. Deion Lewis he's on a new team it's a new offense it's a little bit scary as a fantasy owner but he's done it before he knows his role and yeah if he can haul in 60 balls you know yeah, oh, I'm yeah. good with it you know he should I think he should if he plays 16 games uh, without question that's the only thing with Lewis is we've only seen him play 16 games once uh, that's my really only concern but I'm with you if he does if he stays healthy I, I think he's going to be the main pass catching back in that offense without question I did a draft earlier tonight where I drafted Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis Haas what are your thoughts on that are you are you okay with that strategy I personally would have never thought about those two guys on my team because we're talking about rounds maybe three or four and then I was able to get Deion Lewis in like the eighth round so it just felt like it made sense in a PPR league I don't know what are your thoughts on that right I don't think you you obviously didn't go in the draft thinking you're going to handcuff you know Henry with Lewis you know it's one of those things it's kind of where the draft how, how it unfolds um me personally, I, in a PPR league, I'd, I'd prefer to have Deion Lewis, but Henry, he's going to go ahead of him because he has that job, you know, mm-hmm. um, in most cases. But I, a couple of years ago, I'll tell you a story. I took uh, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman a couple of years ago, and I ended up starting them. It was a 10-man league. So, I mean, their starters, their teams are loaded. I, right. I, I started both of them the same week sometimes, and they both put up 20 points each. Yeah. <laughs> so you Those really are- just never know if Henry right. can get in the end zone twice and Lewis has eight catches for the game you're gonna be golden yeah that's a good point it's a really good point and that could happen I've talked about Derrick Henry as somebody that I think can score 10 touchdowns and Deion Lewis is a guy who probably catches five passes a game uh yeah so th- there are some guys like that um where I I really don't mind having both guys on my roster this is these are leagues where look if you're drafting uh, in a 12-team league, and this is 16 rounds with uh, a kicker defense, but then just just six offensive starters. Um, 
it was a weird league. It was a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then two flex. So I've never done anything like this before. But when it gets that deep, I think that's a situation where you it, you can it's much nicer to handcuff because you can just sure up backfields. I've done that with the Packers backfield. Um, I've done that with a couple of the Colts running backs specifically. Haas, do you have any backfields that you've really uh, maybe looked to handcuff more often than others? Absolutely, and I'll tell you what the last draft I did there Friday night, I uh, I kept Kareem Hunt in the second round, so I forfeited my second round, and I wanted the handcuff him with Spencer Ware, and I just waited too long, and it might be one of those things that, you know, Hunt has a clean season, uh, Spencer doesn't really eat into his timeshare too much, and it doesn't affect me, or you could have Hunt, you know, go down early, and then you look like a fool. You know, it's really that that peace of mind that you get when you you solidify a whole backfield in case something does go down. You know, right. yeah, that's well, how we I saw feel that. About it. We saw that with the Chiefs last year. It's right. Same, I mean, it was just Spencer the reverse scenario. Yeah, and Kareem Hunt took it. Yep. Yeah. So that stuff happens, especially at the running back position. Don't be afraid to handcuff where you can in deep leagues. Uh, I'm in a 14 team league where we have a three bench, three bench spots, and it's harder to handcuff there because you are counting on all three bench guys to be it's it's hard when you only have three bench spots to waste one of them on a stash running back on a handcuff because you're counting on all three of those players at some point in the season to be able to plug into your flex position plug into your second wide receiver position so leagues like that make it a little tougher deeper leagues handcuffing i am uh sounds like you're a big proponent of it and so am i Right. Okay. No, I am for sure. Uh, big news: Jarek McKinnon towards ACL on Saturday. I immediately went, and this is I'm in a full point PPR league, uh, and this was actually my my three bench league that I just talked about. I went and immediately grabbed. I dropped DJ Moore. I picked up Matt Breida, and I feel really good about that move because my running backs were not very strong in that league. They were. I have Jamal Will. It's a 14 team league, and it's 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 tough. I have Jamal Williams. Um, carry on Johnson, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones, and now Matt Breida. So it makes me feel a little bit better in a PPR league about my backfield situation. My receivers are AB and, uh, AJ Green, Emmanuel Sanders. Um, but, uh, Haas, how, how do you feel about Matt Breida in a PPR league? Would you take him or Duke Johnson? I'd probably take Duke Johnson. Okay. And it's, it's tough. I just... I know Breida got some run last year, um, but there's still that there's Alfred Morris in that mix. And I know Breida's going to get the first crack at it. Um, but, but Morris is Alfred's looked pretty good this preseason. I almost drafted him Friday night and I know the Browns are kind of, it looks like they're hiding Duke a little bit, but he's one of their, even though they got probably the best offense they've had in 10 years, which really isn't saying much, <laughs> but Duke should be getting 70 balls, 75 balls, you know? Yeah. He yeah. has to. He's that type of playmaker. He is that type of playmaker. I wish they would use him even more. I agree. Uh, it, that's a good point you made, though, with Alfred Morris. And let me clarify: in a non-point PPR, in a non-PPR, or even a half-point PPR, I think Morris would be the better pickup. Do you agree? I do. Yeah, I do. I thought about drafting him Friday night, even with Breida still on the board, and I I didn't do it. Um, I wish I would have. I mean, the it was two days later. He uh, McKinnon broke or tore his ACL. Yeah, so it sounds like the other guys that I kind of thought about 
uh, Chris Thompson being one of them, but it sounds like, I know you're high on Chris Thompson. He would be somebody you would also prefer over Matt Breed, I would assume, in a PPR league. It would be. And Breida, he he could run away with that job here in the first couple weeks, you know, and and, and I love Jimmy G. Uh, I think he's going to be a stud this year. I draft him in my 10-man league, which a 10-quarterback league, you're going to get a good one, especially this year, at least in my mind. And I think Jimmy G is uh, is a stud. And Breida could run away with that job. He could, and that could be a great backfield to own. But I'm gonna I'm going with Chris Thompson right now. There's just too many unknowns with with what's gonna happen with Brita, and I'm more of a uh, I know what Thompson can do, and I'm go- I'm sticking on that train. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's fair. And we saw you know in 11 games last year, Chris Thompson was on pace for uh, monster season, top 10 running back. He would have finished RB8 in PPR. Little side note, maybe we'll talk about Chris Thompson a little later in the show, so you'll have to stay tuned for that. Uh, as of this morning, still no signs of levy on ballot Steelers facility. So, Haas, as a Browns fan, you're probably excited about that for week one. If he decides to say, screw it, I'm not coming to, to work week one. But as fantasy people, should we start to get a little bit worried if Le'Veon Bell doesn't show up by, say, Wednesday? I think you should be a little bit concerned, even if he did show up today. Um, Le'Veon's got a history of being hurt, and... After this year, you know, he, he's got that franchise. What's Is this the third year they franchised him? Uh, this is the second year. Okay, second year. Um, yep. I, I would be targeting Frank, or yeah, Le'Veon just hasn't been healthy, and I like the backup from Pitt a oh, lot. Oh, Connor. Yeah, Connor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got drafted in a lot of my leagues, and I'm not really buying he's not going to be there Sunday. I mean, it's it's it feels good today, but yeah, come Wednesday or come Sunday, forget about Wednesday, Thursday. You know, he's got to be probable or whatever. He's got to show up, but I'll be worried. I'll, I'll I'm banking on him playing Sunday. I would probably bet that too. But if you're drafting, say Wednesday night, and Le'Veon Bell's still not showing up to Steelers practice, and you're in a draft, and you have a top five pick, like, are you worried? at this point at all like are you scared maybe oh, shit should i maybe not take levy on bell here if he fell past two or three i'd be sucking him up and then i'd make sure <laughs> to get connor yes. later on yep that's a great point grab james connor if you're in that situation i would agree with that a hundred percent okay let's keep it moving here a lot of news and notes to get to some of this stuff i will just breeze through uh we don't need to spend too much time on it Bills have named Nathan Peterman as the uh, week one starter. Same with the Eagles and Nick Foles. He'll start week one. Uh, That's one that, you know, look, I I am a little bit concerned about with Carson Wentz still not being cleared for contact yet. Uh, I had previously ranked him in my top five uh, in my quarterback rankings. I definitely think I have to drop him down maybe a spot or two now because, if look, if he plays – there's a real possibility at this point with Wentz that he could miss, you know, maybe even three games. Uh, if that's the case, um, you know, 13 games, whatever. Well, actually, uh, yeah, 13 games. But it, it's just starting to get on my mind a little bit um, as to where you should be picking him, where you should be drafting Wentz. I'm, I'm, I've even been seeing leagues where he's falling, so, you know, double-digit rounds. Um, I think I would still be okay with drafting Carson Wentz 
in the ninth round, eighth, ninth round at this point, but it's starting to get a little bit scary. Chargers signed Antonio Gates to a one-year deal. Um, let's run through some of the surprise cuts from over the weekend. Dan Bailey got cut uh, from the Cowboys, their kicker. He's going to work out with the Jets. He actually did today. Jonathan Williams, who was supposed to get Mark Ingram's role with the Saints the first four weeks behind Kamara, he actually got cut, and then they signed him back to the practice squad. I was surprised that the Raiders cut Martavis Bryant, but I've also heard that there is an impending suspension there now from a drug, uh, something drug-related. We had heard earlier in the summer that there was some speculation about that. There was more news that came out the other day. Stay tuned for that. Not 100% sure what's going on with the Bryant case, but he he was released by the Raiders. Uh, Paxton Lynch was released by the Broncos. Mike Gillisley from the Pats. Davis Webb from the uh, Giants. I actually had, if you're in a deep, deep uh, dynasty league, which I am in one, and we can roster, I think it's, uh, we have 10 guys during the season, it's 15 in the offseason. We have to make cuts from 15 down to 10 before, we actually just did that the other day. But I had Kyle Loletta, the backup quarterback who the Giants drafted this year, as on my bench, just sitting there as like a fourth quarterback. It's a two-quarterback league, by the way. Uh, Laletta could realistically be the starting Giants quarterback next year. Like, that that's a real thing. Now, now Manning is under contract next year, but I've heard there's no guarantees as to whether he's going to come back or not. It could be two years, but there's a real chance that Kyle Laletta could be the starting quarterback for the Giants with Odell Beckham, with Sterling Shepard, with Evan Ingram, with Saquon Barkley. That's something to think about. Uh you know, down the line of who's going to command that offense, they could be walking into a really nice situation. So that's just some deep, deep sleeper, not even sleeper, but deep dynasty stash um, kind of tip there for you. Kyle Oletta could be be in a pretty prominent role as the Giants starting quarterback eventually. Brandon Marshall made the 53-man roster. Um, Chargers placed Hunter Henry on pup instead of season-ending IR, which thought that was interesting they're giving him the chance to maybe come back Panthers left tackle Matt Khalil was placed on IR but their right tackle Darrell Williams practiced Sunday and he's on pace for week one so that's good news we've talked a lot about the Panthers offensive line this offseason them just trying to stay healthy so that is good news that Williams will be able to play Jets placed Elijah McGuire on IR Uh, Bucks first round pick Vita Vea still isn't practicing so that's not good news for their uh, for their line, uh, defensive line. Hugh Jackson said Antonio Callaway will get the start at wide receiver on Sunday. Haas, I want to get your take on this as a Browns fan. Um, what's kind of what do you expect the split to be there in Week One? Is this just kind of a hey Callaway gets the start, but then Gordon comes in second series, or what's this going to be? Do you think? I fully expect uh, Callaway to start the first play and then Josh Gordon to play the rest of the game. But <laughs> okay. I'm also expecting Callaway to be in there for some run. Um, I, I, I envision it being Jarvis, Josh Gordon, and Callaway and three wide receiver sets. Okay. Fully expecting that. Yeah. So okay. he's going to play. Do you think, like, what are they going to do in three receiver sets? Um, well, I guess Duke Johnson will be, when they're, like, in the gun, they'll just have Duke Johnson as a running back in the running back like well there are they going to use him as much in the slot this year with Landry there now I think so I don't they've really hit him in the preseason you know they haven't given him a lot of run which I'm fine with you know I don't want him getting hurt anything like that but I know we haven't really seen how Jarvis and and Duke are going to play 
together. And they also like putting Njoku out there, who's right. an athletic beast. Yeah. So uh, we just don't really know what that offense is going to look like. I know we've seen Todd Haley's offense in Pittsburgh the last couple of years, but we don't have Antonio Brown and Big Ben. You know, that's a big factor. Um, so, I mean, I'm really curious week one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe they'll even move Landry outside some, don't you think? There's been a lot of talk about that. I mean, we watched, uh, I watched in preseason game three there, they threw two fades up to him uh, when they were down at the goal line. But uh, I always envisioned Jarvis as a slot. I think he should be a slot. But they've pushed him outside. Um, they're going to see what he can do. We're yeah. all going to see what he can do. Yeah. Yeah, the opportunity is uh, huge for him this year. He very well could be uh, – th- a lot of people are thinking he's going to be the best Browns receiver. I still think that Josh Gordon has the best chance to just because of uh, just his ability. Uh, flat out, the talent is is there. Um, but that, that offense definitely could be, could be pretty good this year, just depending on – it all comes down to the quarterback play at the end of the day. Absolutely, and it's the best offense they've had on paper – in 10 years. I mean, Jarvis, they gave him all that money. They, they didn't give him that money just to, to put him in the slot and, and, and do whatever. He's going to get some balls, but I take the upside on draft day every day. I take Josh Gordon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jets have uh, named Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback. I don't think I mentioned that. Well, we talked about Foles. We talked about the Bills with Peterman, but the Jets have also named Darnold as, as their week one starter. Uh, LaShawn McCoy will not be placed on the commissioner's exempt list, and he is eligible to play week one. Uh, we just talked about this, Haas, off the air. I, we, You and I both said that round five, like the flag starts going up for LaShawn McCoy. Uh, he's not somebody that I am particularly fond of in the third or even the fourth round, to be honest with you. But again, he's somebody that could, if he plays 16 games and stays healthy, like, he's somebody who could take your team over the top, essentially. I think that offense is atrocious, but that doesn't mean garbage time doesn't exist in fantasy football. <laughs> That's right. You know, it, it's all about opportunity. And on that offense, there are no playmakers. You can – Kelvin Benjamin, he's six six. What Double him. They'll double him. Okay, who else is going to beat you? Zay Jones, maybe. Um Probably They're going to be force-feeding LaShawn McCoy the ball, and that's the guy I want on my team. But, I mean, I, I, I don't. it's not a sexy – it was a sexy pick four years ago, three years ago, you know. Uh, this year, not so much. But he's there in the fifth. I, I scoop him. I, and he, I only own him in one league, but it's all about opportunity, and uh, we'll find yeah. out. No, the opportunity is going to be there for sure if he plays – if he can stay healthy. We know that running backs, once they get to a certain point, uh, in terms of just workload, age, things start to go downhill. And like you said, not in a good offense. But once it gets to that fifth round area, I'm okay drafting LaShawn McCoy in that range. I think you should be too. Um, he's definitely still somebody I want over even like on Johnson, um, any of the Patriots running backs, Deion Lewis. Or it Just in my eyes, I would probably then still draft him over Royce Freeman. I don't know if everybody shares that same uh, perspective. Royce Freeman keeps going higher and higher, but I'll still take McCoy uh, at this point. But round five, that's where I really would love to to get McCoy if I can. Probably won't get many shares of him, though. Antonio Brown returned to practice Monday with that quad injury, so he's good. They were just holding them out some precautionary reasons uh, through most of August. Steelers cut Landry Jones and named Josh Dobbs their back quarterback. Uh, 
Barkley, Ajayi, and Delaney Walker all sound like they'll be good to go week one. They've all been battling some injuries. Jermaine Curse is reportedly going to miss week one with an abdomen injury. I like Robbie Anderson as somebody I can get in the seventh, sixth, seventh round. Um, probably more so the seventh, I think, in, in a 12 team. But he's also, you know, who's going to be that number two? Because we've seen a Nunois actually have a pretty good year two years ago before that neck injury last year. Um, Jermaine Curse had over 800 yards last year. He had a decent season. They bring Pryor in. Uh, I don't know if if there's going to be a, another relevant Jets wide receiver uh, in that offense. It's it's an interesting, you know, situation. I think you should definitely keep your eye on it because somebody might emerge there eventually. Uh, Jordan Wilkins is reportedly the front runner to start if Marlon Mack can't go. Absolutely draft Marlon Mack when you can in the double digit rounds. If if everybody else isn't kind of onto that train yet, I think he's going to be somebody that um. It's going to get some opportunity uh, this season at some point. We've seen Marlon Mack not be able to stay healthy. Wilkins is definitely in the conversation of a of a late, uh, not really even a sleeper anymore, but a just a late you know round guy that you can grab in the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth round. All right, Haas, you ready to do our bold predictions here? Let's do it. Cool. You want to lead us off? I sure can. And All right. It probably won't be a surprise thus far. I'm pretty high on Josh Gordon. Uh, my bold prediction is he'll be a top 10 scoring wide receiver this year. His ADP is 49, and he's ranked as the 23rd wide receiver, uh, according to the Fantasy Pros. Okay, so do we? Do you think that Josh Gordon can get back to 2013 numbers? Yeah, that's a stretch. You know, that, that, that was an <laughs> unbelievable year. One can hope. Um I think he's a top five talent. If he plays 16 games, what do you put up? Six, 17, 1,700 yards? It was something like that. I'll have to take something a look at the numbers. But ridiculous. he was. Yeah. Um, I don't it know if ridiculous. it'll. I, it, I can't say that it'll be that high, but I can, my bold prediction top 10. So, so, all right, let me ask you this then. Like, where are you comfortable drafting him right now? Well, I took him anywhere from the third and then the fifth round. In, okay. in in my leagues. And th- those are in the 12-man leagues. Uh, but the, the one 12-man league was when I took him in the third. That's the one where you have the keepers. So it's really you're a, you're a, a round behind when you get off. Um, so basically that's a fourth-round fourth okay. round pick. So, yeah, I'd say fourth, fifth round. And I like him over guys like Doug Baldwin. I took him over Thielen, which seems crazy. I know because Gordon hasn't played hardly any of the last four years, but I'll take, if you were to line them two up next to each other, I'm taking Josh Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. But I mean, well, that doesn't always translate to fantasy points, obviously. Well, again, it's the upside, right? Uh, the, the upside is tremendous. We've seen it before. Um, and that over- upside, who to come with was Jason Campbell, Brandon yeah. Eden, you know, I, yeah, right. Right, so it should be even a better situation. I don't know how much they can actually double him with with the amount of weapons that we've talked about in the Browns' offense. So it should, uh, theoretically, it should open up some more opportunities for Gordon to have one-on-one situations, I hope, which is always a good thing. I, I, I'm i with you, man. I have him as a top 15 wide receiver. I'm taking him over to Marius Thomas. I'm taking him over to Allen Robinson. Um, I think... I think I have him maybe a spot ahead of Thielen. Uh, 
It sounds. I know. We're me and you are probably the t- only two people who would maybe say that. But I'm I'm with you. I think the upside is there, and he's a he's just such a talent. I'm with you. I mean, it, it, I got laughed at at the live party when I took Josh Gordon. Everybody said, "Really?" And I said, "Yes, really." Put him on the board, you know. Well, and the thing with him is, uh, you know, he's a guy who only needs to catch seventy passes to have eleven hundred yards. Uh, because the big plays there, you know, you're going to get a lot of the down the field plays with him. So to say that he's going to have 14, 15 yards per catch is not crazy. Uh, if he gets 70 catches in eight, nine touchdowns, I mean, I don't think that's that crazy. No. And this might be just, you know, I listen to a lot of Browns writers and whatnot and fans. And the whole Jarvis, Land- Jarvis Landry ain't catching 100 balls like he did in Miami. No. No, he won't see 160 targets like he did there. There's no, no way. It, it, when you just translate, like, who – you got Duke Johnson, you got David Njoku, Josh Gordon. They're going to eat up that that catch share, you know. It's just not doable. Um, but, no, you're 100% right. The, the the downfield, you know, catching 70 balls, 1,100 yards. Yeah. Nine it, touchdowns, maybe double digit, you know. Give me that guy. I think it's possible. I really do. So, Josh Gordon is – Haas's number one bold prediction. He will finish as a top 10 receiver. And I'm going to follow that up with a guy who is getting drafted in the double-digit rounds right now. His current ADP is, I, I believe it's in the 13th, 14th round, somewhere 12th, 13th, 14th round, somewhere in that range. So you can find this guy late. He's a wide receiver coming into his second season who I expect to take a big jump forward in year two. And that's Chris Godwin for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, this guy's 6'1", 210. He ran a 4'4", 240, 36-inch vertical. All the physical tools are there. He tracks the ball exceptionally well. He high points the ball well. He has pretty good hands, can move in the open field, can make guys miss in the open field after the catch. I just see a lot of good things, even watching some of the preseason tape, looking at some of his highlights from last year, see some really good things from here, from, from Godwin. Um, you know, even in his rookie season where he had nearly 15 and a half yards per reception in that rookie season. So uh, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. I'm th- I'm saying he goes over 850 yards and eight or nine touchdowns this season. I, I think he's going to finish. Uh, I think he's going to finish right around that 24, 22, 23, 24 mark right in that range. Love it. I love Chris Godwin. I loved him when he was coming out. I wish he was a Brown. And uh, my only concern is, is, and it's always been the concern, it's always, it always will be, unless he, until he shows me something, is Jameis Winston. Yeah. Well, look, Winston last year on a per-game basis was, was on pace for the most passing yards in the league, I believe. Um, so the I think the volume is going to be there. Like, do you, don't you agree though that this is not going to be a very good team? Like, they should have to throw a lot. True. Yeah, it should be garbage time. Maybe the whole second half. <laughs> yeah, but it's a you tough know, division. That's exactly what you want. Yeah, and it's absolutely a tough division. And Jameis is out the first four weeks. And what was it? Their head coach said he might not even be the starter when he comes back. What? Are, yeah, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick. Come on. <laughs> Fitz magic. No, I don't yeah. buy that. That's not going to happen. Yeah, get out of here. No, that that won't happen. He he should be he'll be fine. The the big thing uh with that offense if you if you think about it a little bit more when you're looking at 
this is a side note, and I'll make this quick, but when when we're talking about Jameis Winston, he's somebody in deep leagues that I've looked to stash in like the 14th, 15th round, just where I can use him when he comes back. Um, but uh, look at the schedule. When he comes back from that three-game suspension, they go to Chicago, then they have a bye week, so you really can't use him even until week six. Just something to keep in mind. But yeah, Godwin, I just feel like the athleticism that is there. I think that they're just going to realize, hey, this guy is a baller. And I know Mike Evans is still there. I get that. Um, I think he has a, you know, both of those guys have a chance to, to, you know, that offense has a chance to have two guys inside the top 24. They're going to do it this season, and Chris Godwin is going to be that guy. All right, Haas, let's go with your number two bold prediction for 2018. Well, this might help your first bold prediction with Chris Godwin. I have Mike Evans will fall outside of the top 20 as wide receivers. I was hoping you would follow up with that one. That's perfect. Yes. Nice segue. Um, <laughs> I'm just not. It's it's that often. It's, and, yeah, they'll be in garbage time. Sure. But I don't trust Jameis Winston. I don't. Mike Evans. Sure, he's he's a big guy, you know, throw it up to him, let him go get it. We watched Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M make some just ridiculous plays. I just don't see it. I like Tyreek Hill better. I like Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson, Golden Tate. And a guy I, I like a lot is Marvin Jones. And, I mean, I just don't see – I mean, I – Wow, so you're not. Off, you know? So you're not. It sounds like you're not getting any shares of Mike Evans. No, I, he's a guy where I can make an argument for six other guys to take instead of him at wide receiver. Okay, just not a guy I own. Not a guy I wanted to own. That is and bold. I, yeah, could be way off, but yeah, he's not a guy I wanted. No, whatsoever. stick stick to your guns because look, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it two years now. Now this is Mike Evans' fifth year. Two seasons he finished twelve touchdowns. The other two. It's been every other year uh, where he did not finish, uh, I think, one year. I'll have to take a look back at the uh, the final rankings. But he had two seasons where it was down, two seasons very good. So which Mike Evans are we going to get? And uh, that's a fair argument, too, that, hey, it, you know, it's going to come down to Jameis Winston and, you know, how he distributes the ball, right, and and efficiency and just being a, being a better quarterback, at the end of the day. Swanee, you know, I got a question for you. Is there such thing as fantasy grudges? Because you mentioned that on and yes. off again season Mike Evans has had, and I owned him those two years, and you just never forget. No. You know what that's... I mean? It might, that might – you just – you mentioned it, and it just – in the back of my head, you just never forget it. You can absolutely have fantasy grudges. That is a real thing. It's 100%. real. 100%. I'm telling you. Yes, 100%. Uh, okay, I like that one. That's a good one. Let's go to my number two. We'll stick in the NFC South. I'm going to say Matt Ryan will once again finish outside the top 15. Everybody is back on the hype train thinking that Matt Ryan's going to come close to what he did in 2016 when he finished his QB2. Uh, had a great year that year. Okay, 30 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. That offense was lights out. Very, very efficient under um, Kyle Shanahan. So this is year two under Steve Sarkeesian, right? And everybody's thinking, oh, well, Matt Ryan did well year two under uh, Kyle Shanahan. He's going to do well in year two under uh, Steve Sarkeesian. I don't think that's going to be the case because if you look at Matt Ryan's track record, the guy's thrown double-digit interceptions in eight of ten seasons. He has finished 15th or worst in fantasy among quarterbacks 
three of the last five years, 15th or worse, okay? So this is a guy that I just, I just don't think that Matt Ryan's that great of a quarterback personally, um, just from a real-life perspective. Like, I think he's fine as a franchise guy because those guys are hard to come by. Uh, and he's a decent quarterback, uh, you know, but I don't think he's much above average personally. I really don't. Um, I just have serious doubts, and then, you know, from a fantasy perspective, that he's going to come close again to that year, that 2016 year. And I think he's going to fall more along like the mean of kind of what we've seen from Matt Ryan. Um, so I have him outside my top 15, even with the drafting of Calvin Ridley. We know how good Julio Jones is. Uh, they're expecting a bigger jump from Austin Hooper. Um, Mohamed Sanu has been a very, very good number two. We know about the running backs there. I get it. There's a lot of weapons. But I think that Matt Ryan, again, uh, just isn't going to live up to it when it comes to terms of the touchdown numbers, the efficiency. I think he'll throw his fair share, you know, 12, 13, 14 picks again. And it's going to be another 26 touchdown, 13 interception season for Matt Ryan. Yeah. I don't even think that's a bold prediction. <laughs> I, it might not be. Uh, it might be the least bold. Uh, if you want to call it bold of the three that I have here, probably. No, I'm with you, and I, I I like all your points. You know, I he's just not one of those top tier quarterbacks. You know, he could come across a year like that. You know, um, right. But I'm not going out and getting him. You know, he's a leftover of of what's out there. You know. Yeah, like it's. it's go I ahead. just feel like there's about. I I just feel like there's seven or eight other quarterbacks who, if you put in that offense, would do much better. Right. No, I'm right? with you. Isn't he like a like much better what that offense is right? a little you know, you bit Julio Jones you get Devontae Freeman Tevin Coleman as a backup running back I mean you had he played a couple years at least with Roddy White yeah right? oh yeah yeah a handful of years a handful and then of you years. had you had Tony G on the back of his career but you know he he's a hall of fame tight end he put up numbers in in that offense right and sure the the quarterback runs the show but yeah I would you know there's there's definitely seven or eight guys you put in that offense and if not more and it's a it's a better team yep yeah I agree so uh so yeah Matt Ryan outside my top 15 in 2018 put it on the board (laughs) all right marked Haas let's go with your do you have another one for us I do and we talked about him earlier, and it's uh, I have Chris Thompson finishing as a top fifteen running back. I in twenty eighteen. We talked about this off the air too. I think this is uh, maybe my favorite of your bold predictions. Right. Well, you mentioned he was going to finish if you averaged out the rest of it. If you finished the year, what eight or was yeah. it eleven? Eight. Yes. Eight, yeah, eight. Um, I just he's one of these guys that I just I love to watch. I'm not a Redskins fan or anything like that, but this this dude is just so explosive, uh, quick, gets the hole, and then out of the backfield. I mean, I he's he's better than Duke Johnson. <laughs> if you, you know, I mean, when you right? put those two when you put those two guys' tape next to each other, it's funny. I literally did this like a week and a half ago, where I watched both of like Duke Johnson highlights and then Chris Thompson highlights. And I was trying to like. Just put those guys next to each other, really, and compare. And I, I saw a lot of similarities. Uh, but you're right. Chris Thompson seems to even have that. He's got that Extra burst. gear, right? He, he does have a gear. He does have a gear. 
I mean, he's just a fun, and I know they added AP, you know, I just don't think, sure, it would have been exciting to see Chris Thompson as maybe a lead back, you know, and it's unfortunate what happened to Geis, uh, terrible, uh, I liked Geis coming out a lot, but, um, yeah, but I think AP. I think this is to 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 go against that comment just a little bit. I think that this role suits Thompson better. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It would have been. I was just gonna say it was gonna. It'd be fun to watch him as like a lead back, maybe. You know, if he could solidify early down work um, a little bit more. But no, this is definitely what Chris Thompson is. He's a third down pass catching guy. Third down, you know, long whatever. You can put him out in the slot. You can put him in the backfield. He's just so fun to watch, and those numbers you actually gave me early, he would have finished at eight. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that high, but I believe it. You know, God, he's just – but if you look at his rankings, uh, I looked it up earlier. He was the 29th ranked running back in PPR, and then his ADP was right around, what, 100 I saw. I just I like him a lot of the guy uh, more than a lot of the guys that are, you're going to find in that area and I actually I reached on him in a league but he's a guy I wanted to reach on and I'm okay with you know I can live with the results. Yeah, where what round are you looking to draft him in? I took him in the sixth, which was I took him ahead of a lot of a lot of guys that were available. Um, maybe another head scratcher to everybody else. Um, but Jay Gruden loves him. Like, are you uh, taking him ahead of the Patriots running backs? No, not like, Deion Lewis. Or I'm sorry, not. Um, I would Burkhead. take him ahead of yeah, Burkhead and uh, Michelle. I am taking him ahead. I know some people love Rex Burkhead, and they would never do it, but but I I did. So I'm living proof. Uh, so you are taking Thompson over both those guys. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, what about like Tariq Cohen? Absolutely. Uh, okay. I love Tariq Cohen, but I'm taking Chris Thompson. Okay. I like it. I think that he has uh, an excellent chance to be a very, very high-end RB2 in PPR leagues. Uh, at the worst, you're getting an extremely good flex play. One of the best. Uh, he kind of fits into that range of where you're looking to draft like Emmanuel Sanders, uh, maybe Cooper Cup, and then there's also, it seems like Chris Thompson is always right there too. And I'm... I'm right with you, Haas. I, Chris Thompson is kind of my guy when it gets to that range. Uh, I'm more comfortable drafting him in the seventh round, but the sixth round certainly isn't a stretch. I don't. I don't think it is at all. Um, okay. All right. Well, let's. I'll, I'll give my number th- three, and then um, we'll wrap this thing up. Unless you have, unless you have another one. I can't have another one. Okay, well let's do that. I'll do I'll do one more, uh, okay. and then I'll, I'll be done, and then we'll give you, I'll give you the floor for for another one or two if you want, and then we'll uh, we'll put the bow on this show. Um, so my number three is actually two guys. My bold prediction is that Evan Ingram and Jimmy Graham will both finish outside the top ten at tight end this year. Uh, that. Probably when I looked at my bold predictions, that sounds the craziest. Uh, probably among the public, I would assume that's probably the craziest because we saw Jimmy Graham finish his tight end six last year. We saw Evan Ingram finish his tight end five. So why in the world would I put these guys outside of you know my top ten uh, in my bold predictions? And I'll tell you why. 
Okay, Jimmy Graham is 31 years old. He's had injury issues in the past. He's coming off a season where he only caught 57 passes for 520 yards. So we didn't see Jimmy Graham do anything in between the 20s. We've never seen Aaron Rodgers use a tight end like heavily, heavily inside, you know, in between the 20s. So I have no reason to think that Jimmy Graham is going to give any give us good volume in terms of catches or in terms of yards. So, if the touchdowns don't, he he finished his tight end six last year solely off of his touchdowns, right? If the touchdowns don't show up, he had ten last year. Let's say he only has five or six. Okay, if he would have had five touchdowns last year, he would have finished his tight end eleven with those same number of catches and yards. If he would have seven touchdowns last year, he would have finished his tight end nine. So, if the yardage and the receptions are similar in a PPR league and the touchdowns just don't show up. And I'm not a person that likes to bank on touchdowns because I think touchdowns can be somewhat fluky. Uh, Now, Derrick Henry is one of those guys I've talked about that I think that 10 touchdowns is very possible for him because I the usage around the goal line. So running backs can be a little bit different depending on their usage, right? But for a tight end coming into a new system at 31 years old in his first year with Aaron Rodgers, uh, that sounds okay, the fact that, that Rodgers is going to be the one throwing him the ball. And look, it could be. It, it very well could be that he catches a bunch of touchdowns. But I'm just warning you that if he doesn't, um, the numbers aren't going to be there. They're just not going to back it up if he only catches five or six touchdowns this year. So that's my my thing with Jimmy Graham. My my thing with Evan Ingram, go back and listen to our last episode, um, episode 20, I believe it was, where I talked a ton about about two to three minute segment at the beginning of the show on Evan Ingram and just his target usage of last year, 22% of the target share in the Giants offense. Odell Beckham's back. Sterling Shepard's back from that ankle injury. Um uh, Saquon Barkley's in that offense now where we know that they're going to use him in heavily in some sort of role. They haven't had a running back like that in the past. So I just think the the target share is going to go down for Evan Ingram, and in turn, the production is going to go down as well. All right. That's, that's what we call a, a bold prediction. You're breaking a lot of hearts of uh, fantasy <laughs> owners out there. But I can jump on board with it. I, I loved all your points. Absolutely. Okay. Do you want to... Let's let's move on to your uh, last one. If you got one yeah. or two, whatever you got for us, Haas, go yeah. ahead and uh, my throw my, it uh, my last one here is Nelson Aguilar will be the top receiver, including with Ertz this year. That is Nelson bold. Aguilar. That, that is, is bold, very bold, you know. And Zach Ertz is a stud. Yeah, but it's. I mean, he Alshon finished as a top three weeks. tight end last year. Oh, absolutely, and he's the go-to target. He's probably you know, the most talented receiver on that team. And that's including Alshon. Um, that's just my, my two cents, but, uh, Alshon missing two weeks. I take Aguilar being there and, and he might be throwing the, the foals for, you know, two, three weeks, maybe. I think he could really stand out this year. Uh, he came on late last year. Uh, he ended up with seven touchdowns. I think he could be uh, it's hard to project over 10, but I think he could hover right around that 10 or be okay. a, an option. Well, we've seen Maybe him. We saw him get, get eight. Ten. We saw him get eight last year. Uh, it could happen. Right. Now, are you yeah. taking him over? He's going in that range of like Kelvin Benjamin, Sterling Shepard, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley. You taking him over all those guys? 
I have been, yeah. And actually, this last draft on uh, Friday night, I really wanted to get my hands on one of, you know, Anthony Miller, DJ Moore, you know, those guys. And it just, it didn't fall right. You know, I, I took Aguilar around ahead of them, and then they all went. Didn't get my hands on any of them. When did you but take Aguilar? I took him in, it was the Keeper League, so I took him in the eighth round, but it really would have been the ninth. Yeah, okay. That's good. I I I've actually drafted him in the eighth round, uh, in a lot of mock drafts too. So I'm 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 on board with that, man. That could definitely happen, especially the fact that that Jeffrey's going to miss three games, or well, is he going to miss three? It it I'm I'm betting on probably three. I shouldn't right. say I shouldn't say it like it's a fact yet, but I'm I'm going to say he misses multiple games. Uh, they didn't place him on the pup, but I think it's probably going to be two or three at least. Right. Yeah. Last I read, it was two. But that was just speculation, you know. Nobody really knew, at least when I came across that that, uh, that yeah. article. It could be, it could be two. Uh, I would, I'm thinking it might be, you know, again, could be three, but we'll see. So, um, all right, Nelson Aguilar, a, a bold prediction for Haas, and I like that one. That's another one that, uh, again, I've talked about him so much throughout August uh, and July. Just somebody that. You know, kind of showed up last year for the first time in his, I think it was his third, I think he's going into his fourth season now. Um, uh, but but yeah, somebody that, that definitely could, has the potential to break out in what should be a good offense once Carson Wentz returns. All right, well, uh, that's all I had tonight. Haas, um, thanks again, buddy. I We waited too long to get you back on the show. I forgot how... Uh, much fun I had with you on the show before, and we definitely need to keep you in the loop throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It actually reminds me your uh, your notes that you had with Darnold starting. I think the last pod it was me, you, and Pat. I was on, and we guessed you know speculating on which rookie quarterback would start first. And, and you I, said I, Sam Darnold. I said Sam Darnold. I remember know. that. Just I want to throw that out there. Yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> that's that's a good one. I'll have to keep that. I'll have to remember that. That's yeah. That could have been a bold prediction last uh, month and a half ago. A month that'd have been yeah. That'd have been a good one. That'd have been a good one because um, I thought at that time that Rosen was going to be the first guy, uh, but yeah, Darnold is going to be the first one to get a crack. So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for joining the you know listening to the podcast wherever you listen to it, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, you know Google Play, um, another third party you know podcast directory, um, lots of ways to listen to the podcast. Um, thanks for everybody who you know supports the show and whatnot. So uh, until next time, we'll have another podcast out middle of this week at some point. Enjoy the first week of football, everybody. It's back Thursday night. Eagles Falcons. We're excited to kick this thing off. Um, and we will be doing more podcasts throughout the season, more more weekly than we have in August and July. So excited for that opportunity as well. Talk to you later, everybody. Have a great, uh, great Monday night. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.